Hey guys, good morning. Hope you're all uh, wherever you are in the world. Um, today we are doing the last uh, conversation on apologetics. Um, it's been a great week so far. We've got to look at what apologetics is and why it's an important part of the Christian faith and being a Christian believer. Uh, we then also got a chance to look at logical fallacies and what it means to think well um, and to use that in our own lives. And finally, today we're going to be talking with Andrew, who's really going to go deeper into examining what a worldview is and how to test a worldview to know if it is really helpful and useful to people, and to use it as a way of pointing people to Jesus. So great, let's get started. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that introduction. Um, yeah. So one word used there, uh, worldview. Some of us might not be familiar with that. So worldview is basically the way that you see the world. It's nothing complicated. It just means um, the, the lens in which you see the world. So atheism is a worldview. Hinduism is a worldview. Uh, Christianity is a worldview. Uh, most, uh, Islam is a worldview. So these are what we call worldviews. Um, and it's a it's 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 a more general and more technical term for the way that you see the world. Um, so yeah, worldview is so essential. It is part of us, whether we like to ignore it or not. It's always going to be part of us. But the big question is, how do I know whether my worldview is the correct one, and how can I test whether it is the right one? Because we've discussed that. Um, we're not called to have ignorant faith, but faith that is reasonable. And so, when people ask you questions, how can you answer them? And how can you know that your worldview is the right worldview? So, there are three tests to worldview, which is logical consistency, empirical adequacy, and experiential relevance. Did you get that, Jayant? No, I did. I did. Thanks so much. Do you want to explain maybe a, a little bit more what each of those are? So you really what we really understand what you mean by them yeah yeah i feel like uh these are really big words but uh, i'll really walk uh through them so first we have logical consistency um so it's nothing complicated it is just basically does the worldview um, makes sense within itself. So we're not talking about testing whether it is historically relevant, but rather, is does it make sense within itself? For example, in the Christian worldview, when God says He is uh, good, is that consistent from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, through all the books of the Bible? Is that consistent? Um, and when the Bible says that uh, Jesus is the Messiah, is that consistent? With the Old Testament, does the Old Testament describe Jesus as the Messiah? Did they, did, did the prophecies talk really talk about Jesus, or was it prophesying about someone else that was to come? So these are what we would call logical, uh, you know, this is what we would call logical consistency, testing whether uh, the worldview makes sense within itself. Does that make sense? No, it does. Right. So I mean, if if something was not consistent in the Bible, it might be pretty apparent right if we're kind of seeing god is holy and then maybe we go through and we see something that maybe isn't in line with that is that what you're trying to say basically yeah exactly exactly that is exactly what it is so logical consistency is a worldview consistent with within itself when it says god is holy is that consistent throughout the bible or is, is there an area where god doesn't seem so where god contradicts himself completely um and so that's sort of what logical consistency is that's what the test is secondly we have oh this is a big word empirical adequacy so empirical adequacy um, this is just basically now testing 
whether a worldview is justifiable or verifiable with what it is claiming. So does that make sense? I think so. When you say verify, does that mean that I can actually test this, um, you know, whatever someone is saying from something outside of itself? Basically, exactly. That's what it is. Testing out, testing the worldview in a, in an outside a perspective, in the perspectives of history, in the perspectives of philosophy, and sometimes science. But that varies from time to time because when we talk about the Christian worldview, we know that the Bible does not focus on science particularly, but rather it's referential because we know it's not written to everyone. It was written to a specific people, and we can. Uh, pull out a, a theological principle from that but not per- read that explicitly so um yeah testing and, ju- and and verifying it from an outside perspective in perspective in, in, in the context of uh history and uh philosophy so let me give you an example when we talk about was jesus uh did jesus was jesus a real person now the bible historically claims so we know the bible is basically a history book and we know that the bible claims that jesus was a real person jesus uh taught certain things jesus died on the cross jesus had 12 disciples and jesus rose from the dead is that historically verifiable when even atheist historians agree that jesus was a real person that he had 12 disciples he had uh the bible does um the bible is correct in those terms even atheist historians agree that jesus uh died did die on the cross so that's empirical adequacy and uh, we know that the bible is historical relevant the only thing that comes as a an argument is whether jesus rose from the dead but when we study the uh, history in a very uh, unique manner we realize that G- the the results of the the dramatic transformation of the disciples who did exist and were historically recorded is dramatic we know for a fact from the, from the disciples that yes historically we know that Jesus probably did rise from the dead because of the transformation of the people around him and the and the and the, and, and yeah basically the world around him it would have never changed if he did not really rise from the dead and so we can verify that from the perspective of history that's empirical adequacy does that make sense that does wasn't there a guy um called Lee Strobel who was an atheist and then oh, yeah. his wife became a christian and like he was like oh my gosh i'm going to go and prove this whole thing wrong just to show you how messed up this faith is and he did he yeah. was an investigative journalist and i think he did a lot of digging to find out especially on the resurrection because he said if the resurrection is true then the entire christian faith must be true too so yes. he spent a lot of time doing that and he actually became a believer through that experience of investigating the evidence Yeah, um, one of the greatest that, apologists out there. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Definitely worth checking out, guys. If you do get some time, check out Lee Strobel and his testimony. Um it's super super interesting as well. And yeah, finally Andrew, the last piece experiential relevance. You want to just walk us through that a bit. Experiential relevance. Now, experiential relevance is very simple. Is the worldview relevant in my life? Can I see the uh the the, the results of what the worldview is saying? So, for example, If a worldview says so the Christian faith says that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior you will receive you know the Holy Spirit and he will be your guide and uh you know your your life will be very different can we see that in real life is uh it's like an experimental it's like an ex, uh what do you call it an ex, uh the the Bible says something and it's proven in real life 
and we can see it in real life. So that's experiential relevance. However, experiential relevance does not very very uh, is, is not the strongest argument you can make because someone can you know make up something and you can't really say that they're wrong because it's their experience. So it's not the 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 the, the most strongest test out there, but however, it is the most relevant test. Because your experience is your experience. If you know that Jesus did change your life and Jesus was the one that that guided you, then then we can know for a fact. Then you know f- for yourself that the Bible is experientially relevant, and that's why we have testimonies. Testimonies are basically uh, t- uh, telling people of the bi- the Bible's experiential relevance. So that's experiential relevance. No, that's super interesting, and I think well, I think you know. When you talk about experiential relevance, it means that this thing that I believe actually have an impact on me in my life and change the way that I actually live and you know live my entire life, how I interact with people, things like that. Is is that also? Would you also say that's what we mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, um, these tests are not just for Christianity. It applies to every single worldview, whether atheism, uh, is uh, Islam, Hinduism. When we go through these, these tests, and you know, we test a specific worldview and what it's trying to say, and we see that there is a logical inconsistency, then we know that a worldview is unreliable. Personally, I came to Christ because of knowing these things, and not because of some crazy experience. I never had that, but understanding that the the Bible was actually historically uh, real. And that the Bible was logically consistent in all that it said really blew my mind because there was not a single worldview that that could compare. I knew that the worldviews that I had observed before had lots of inconsistencies and there was lots of inadequacy in them. But the Bible was just so almost divine <laughs> in a way that proved it to be uh, the Word of God. And so this applies to all worldviews and you can use this in your own personal life. Right. So I'm just wondering, you know, um, this is all really great, but like, you know, how am I, how am I supposed to use this? I guess in my life, in terms of just how I think about my faith and how I, you know, talk to other people who may not have the same uh, worldview as me. Right. 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 So how do you use this in your own personal life? Now, this is so essential. Um, because first of all, this test is is personal to you because this is your pursuit of truth, uh, and so you can't. There, it's not gonna uh, work to explain all of this to an, uh, someone who is not a believer, uh, because they'll just think that just uh, you're just saying random facts, and really you're not really preaching the gospel here. So uh, this is a test that is personal to you and to your personal. Uh, pursuit of truth knowing these things will be like an anchor so that sometimes when you feel your emotions let you down when your heart lets you down your mind is like an anchor because you know for a fact that whether you whether you feel like god's not real you can know for a fact that god is real because of the facts out there and your your feelings are subjective towards the to what's what is objective which is the bible and so this acts as an anchor now when you now the second question is how do i approach people um knowing these things well basically now you can uh, we, we talked about how to have constructive arguments um so now knowing this you can uh make you can ask people questions and now you can draw assumptions uh they have of their own worldview uh 
and, and draw those assumptions out and expose the inconsistencies they have, but not in an offensive manner, but in a loving manner. Tone is everything. We know for a fact that a tone, the tone, your tone of how you approach people, uh, really changes the composition. You can say a certain thing, uh, but in but the tone is what really determines the the point of the conversation. And then um, we know that we can't always please everyone, and this is a very hard fact. But in order to pursue pursue the truth, you have to risk being offended. So. Yes, you won't always be pleasing everyone, but uh, at, at times you will offend the person that you are uh, having a discussion with. But you have to do it in a way that is loving, gentle, and respectful, because that's what uh, the Bible says. So that's basically how you can put this in practice in your own personal life. Okay, perfect. Um, thank you so much, Andrew, for really taking the time to walk us through that, and for also telling us how we could possibly possibly use it. Um, uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys, for this week. We hope you found the content that we got on Apologetics helpful in your life. Um, feel free to listen to it anytime. It's on um, Anchor, as Andrew has put it there. Um, and yeah, we hope you have a great weekend, and we hope we can have some great discussions about this um, on Zoom or any other time as well. Yeah, feel free to reach out to Andrew or me um, to just you know have a chat with us if you want to about this or if you you know want to chat about anything. I think we would be more than happy to talk more and you know pray with you um, in other ways andrew would you like to just finish uh, by praying for us absolutely dear lord thank you so much for this opportunity to know you and to make you know thank you god for giving us minds to to reason with uh, ideas and thank you for making this this worldview that we've put our hearts in um, you know, reasonable by giving us historical relevance, logical consistency, and philosophical relevance and experiential relevance. We're so thankful that you're a God of logic and that's just so amazing. But even in the times where we can't understand you, Lord, give us faith. Strengthen us with your spirit, Lord. And God, help us to make your name known through your spirit. Lord, let your name be glorified in all that we do. And we pray for these amazing people that are listening that you would bless them abundantly. Lord, let your name be glorified. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. See ya.